Stepping into Shakespeare presents Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare Act 3 Save thee, friend, and thy music. Dost thou live by thy tabor? No, sir. I live by the church. Art thou a church, man? No such matter, sir. I do live by the church, for I do live at my house, and my house the stand by the church. Art not thou the Lady Olivia's fool? No, indeed, sir. The Lady Olivia has no folly. She will keep no fool, sir, till she be married. And fools are as like husbands as pilchards are to herrings. The husband's the bigger. I am indeed not her fool, but her corrupter of words. I saw thee late at the Count Orsino's. Foolery, sir, does walk about the orb like the sun. It shines everywhere. I would be sorry, sir, but the fool should be as oft with your master as with my mistress. I think I saw your wisdom there. Nay, and thou pass upon me. I'll no more with thee. Hold, there's expenses for thee. Now Jove in his next commodity of hair send thee a beard. By my troth, I'll tell thee, I am almost sick for one, though I would not have it grow on my chin. Is thy lady within? My lady is within, sir. I will construe to them whence you come. Who you are and what you would are out of my welkin. I might say element, but the word is overworn. This fellow is wise enough to play the fool, and to do that well craves a kind of wit. Save you, gentlemen. And you, sir. Dieu vous garde, monsieur. Êtes-vous aussi votre serviteur? I hope, sir, you are, and I am yours. Will you encounter the house? My niece is desirous you should enter, if your trade be to her. I am bound to your niece, sir. I mean, she is a list of my voyage. Taste your legs, sir. Put them in motion. My legs do better understand me, sir, than I understand what you mean by bidding me taste my legs. I mean to go, sir, to enter. I will answer you with gate and entrance, but we are prevented. Most excellent, accomplished lady, the heavens rain odours on you. That is the rare courtier. Rain odours? Well... Let the garden door be shut, and leave me to my hearing. Give me your hand, sir. My duty, madam, and my most humble service. What is your name? Cesario is your servant's name, fair princess. My servant, sir, t'was never merry waltz, since lowly feigning was called compliment. Your servant to Count Orsino, youth. And he is yours, and his must needs be yours. Your servant's servant is your servant, madam. For him... I think not on him, for his thoughts would they wear planks rather than filled with me. Madam, I come to wet your gentle thoughts on his behalf. Oh, by your leave, I pray you, I bade you never speak again of him. But would you undertake another suit? I had rather hear you to solicit that than music from the spheres. Dear lady. Give me leave, beseech you. I did send... After the last enchantment you did hear, a ring in chase of you. So did I abuse myself, my servant, and, I fear me, you. Under your hard construction must I sit, to forth that on you, in a shameful cunning, which you knew none of yours. What might you think? Have you not set mine honour at a stake? 
and baited it with all the unmuscled thoughts that tyrannous heart can think. To one of your receiving enough is shown. A cypress, not a bosom, hides my heart. So let me hear you speak. I pity you. That's a degree to laugh. No, not a grise, for tis a vulgar proof that very oft we pity enemies. Why, then, methinks, this time to smile again? Oh, world, how apt the poor are to be proud. If one should be a prey, how much the better to fall before the lion than the wolf? The clock upbraids me with the waste of time. Be not afraid, good use. I will not have you. And yet, when wit and youth is come to harvest, your wife is like to reap a proper man. There lies your way, due west. Then westward ho. Grace and good disposition attend your ladyship. You'll nothing, madam, to my lord by me. Stay, I breathe thee. Tell me what thou thinkst of me. That you do think you are not what you are. If I think so, I think the same of you. Then think you right, I am not what I am. I would you wear as I would have you be. Would it be better, madam, than I am? I wish it might, for I am now your fool. Cesario, by the roses of the spring, by maidhood, honour, truth and everything, I love thee so, that... Maugree all thy bright, no wit nor reason can my passion hide. Do not extort thy reason from this clause, for that I woo, thou therefore hast no cause, but rather reason does with reason fetter. Love thought is good, but given unsought is better. By innocence I swear, and by my youth, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth. And that no woman has, nor never none, shall be mistress of it, save I alone. And so adieu, good madam. Never more will I my master's tears to you deplore. Yet come again, for thou perhaps mayst move that heart which now abhors to like his love. No, faith, I'll not stay a jot longer. Thy reason, dear Venom, give thy reason. You must needs yield your reason, Sir Andrew. Marry. I saw your niece do more favours to the Count's serving-man than she ever bestowed upon me. She did show favour to thy youth and your sight only, to exasperate you, to awake your dormouse valour, to put fire in your heart and brimstone in your liver. You should then have accosted her, and with some excellent jests, fire new from the mint. You should have banged the youth into dumbness. You will hang like an icicle on a Dutchman's beard unless you do redeem it by some laudable attempt, either of valour or policy. And be anyway, it must be with valour, for policy I hate. I had as lief be a brownist as a politician. Why then build me thy fortunes upon the basis of valour? Challenge me the Count's youth to fight with him, hurt him in eleven places. My niece should take note of it and assure thyself. There's no love broker in the world can more prevail in man's commendation with woman than report of valour. There is no way but this, Sir Andrew. Will either of you bear me a challenge to him? Go, write it in a martial hand. Be cursed and brief. Let there be gall enough in thy ink, though they are write with a goose pen. No matter. About it. Where shall I find you? We'll call thee at the cabuculo. Go! This is a dear mannequin to you, Sir Toby. 
I have been dear to him, lad, some two thousand strong or so. We shall have a rare letter from him, but you'll not deliver it. Never trust me, then, and by all means stir on the youth to an answer. I think oxen and wain ropes cannot hail them together. For Andrew, if he were opened and you would find so much blood in his liver as will clog the foot of a flea, I'll eat the rest of the anatomy. Look where the youngest wren of nine comes. If you desire the spleen and will laugh yourself into stitches, follow me. Yon Gulmarvelio is turned heathen, a very renegado. He's in yellow stockings. And cross-guarded. Most villainously. He does obey every point of the letter that I drop to betray him. He does smile his face into more lines than is in the new map with the augmentation of the Indies. I know my lady will strike him. And if she do, he'll smile and take it for a great favour. Come, bring us, bring us where he is. I would not by my will have troubled you, but since you make your pleasure of your pains, I will no further chide you. I could not stay behind you. My desire, more sharp than filed steel, did spur me forth. Being skillless in these parts, which to a stranger unguided and unfriended often prove rough and unhospitable, my willing love, the rather by these arguments of fear, set forth in your pursuit. My kind Antonio, I can no other answer make but thanks, and thanks. What's to do? Shall we go see the relics of this town? Tomorrow, sir. Best first go see your lodging. I am not weary, and tis long tonight. I pray you, let us satisfy our eyes with the memorials and the things of fame that do renown this city. Would you pardon me? I do not without danger walk these streets. Once in a sea fight against the Count, his galleys, I did some service of such note indeed that were I tain here, it would scarce be answered. Be like you slew great number of his people. The offence is not of such a bloody nature, albeit the quality of the time and quarrel might well have given us bloody argument. It might have since been answered in repaying what we took from them, which, for traffic's sake, most of our city did. Only myself stood out, for which, if I be lapsed in this place, I shall pay dear. Do not then walk too open. It doth not fit me. Hold, sir. Here's my purse. In the south suburbs at the Elephant is best to lodge. I will bespeak our diet, whilst you beguile the time and feed your knowledge with viewing of the town. There you shall have me. Why are your purse? Haply your eye shall light upon some toy you have desired to purchase, and your store, I think, is not for idle markets, sir. I'll be your purse-bearer and leave you for an hour. To the Elephant. I do remember. I have sent after him. He says he'll come. How shall I feed him? What bestow of him? I speak too loud. Where is Malvolio? He is sad and civil, and suits well for a servant with my fortunes. Where is Malvolio? He's coming, madam, but in a very strange manner. He is sure possessed, madam. Why? What's the matter? Does he rave? No, madam. He does nothing but smile. Your ladyship were best to have some guard about you. If he come, for sure the man is tainted in his wits. Go call him hither. I am as mad as he. 
if sad and merry madness equal be. How now, Malvolio? Sweet lady, ho ho! Smilest thou? I sent for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad, lady? I could be sad. This does make some obstruction in the blood, this cross-gartering. But what of that? If it please the eye of one, it is with me as the very true sonnet is, please one and please all. Why, how dost thou, man? What is the matter with thee? Not black in my mind, though yellow in my legs. It did come to his hands, and commands shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. Will thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed? Aye, sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. God comfort thee! Why dost thou smile so, and kiss thy hand so oft? How do you, Malvolio? At your request, yes, nightingales answer doors. Why appear you with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness. Twas well writ. What meanst thou by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. <sighs> some achieve greatness. What sayst thou? And some have greatness thrust upon them. Heaven restore thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings. Thy yellow stockings? And wished to see thee cross-gartered. Cross-gartered? Go to thou art made, if thou desirest to be so. Am I made? If not, let me see thee a servant still. Why, this is very midsummer madness. Madam, the young gentleman of the Count Orsino is returned. I could hardly entreat him back. He attends your ladyship's pleasure. I'll come to him. Good, Maria, let this fellow be locked too. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have a special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. Oh, oh, do you come near me now? No worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. This concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose, that I may appear stubborn to him. And when she went away now, let this fellow be looked to. Fellow! Not Malvolio, not after my degree, but fellow. What can be said? Nothing that can be can come between me and the full prospect of my hopes. Well, Jove, not I, is the doer of this, and he is to be thanked. Which way is he in the name of sanctity? If all the devils of hell be drawn in little, and Legion himself possessed him, yet I'll speak with him. Here he is, here he is. How is it with you, sir? Go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private. Go off. Sir Toby, my lady prays you to have a care of him. Aha, does she so? Uh, go to, go to, peace, peace. We must deal gently with him. Let me alone. How do you, Malvolio? How is't with you? What man defy the devil? Consider he's an enemy to mankind. Do you know what you say? La, you... And you speak ill of the devil, how he takes it to heart. Pray God he be not bewitched. How now, my cock? How dost thou chuck? Sir. I bid thee, come with me. What man, tis not for gravity to play at cherry pit with Satan? Hang him, foul collier. Get him to say his prayers, good Sir Toby. Get him to pray. My prayers, Minx. No, I warrant you, he will not hear of godliness. Go, hang yourselves all. You are idle, shallow things. 
I am not of your element. You shall know more hereafter. Is it possible? Why, we shall make him mad indeed. The house will be quieter. <laughs> Come, we'll have him in a dark room and bound. My niece is already in the belief that he's mad. We may carry it thus for our pleasure and for his penance, till our very pastime, tired out of breath, prompt us to have mercy on him, but see, but see. More matter for a May morning. Here's the challenge. Read it. Warrant there's vinegar and pepper in it. Is so saucy. Aye, ist. I warrant him. Do but read. Give me. Youth, whatsoever thou art, thou art but a scurvy fellow. Good and valiant. Wonder not, nor admire not in thy mind why I do call thee so, for I will show no reason for it. A good note that keeps you from the blow of the law. Thou comest to the Lady Olivia, and in my sight she uses thee kindly. But thou liest in thy throat, and that is not the matter I challenge thee for. Very brief, and to exceeding good sense, less. I will waylay thee going home, where if it be thy chance to kill me... Good. Thou killest me like a rogue and a villain. Oh, still you keep on the windy side of the law, good. Fare thee well, and God have mercy upon one of our souls. He may have mercy upon mine, but my hope is better... And so look to thyself, thy friend as thou usest him, and thy sworn enemy, Andrew Aguecheek. If this letter moves him not, his legs cannot. I'll give it to him. You may have very fit occasion for it. He is now in some commerce with my lady, and will by and by depart. Go, Sir Andrew, scout me for him at the corner of the orchard like a bum bailey. So soon as ever thou seest him, draw, and as thou drawest, swear horrible. Nay, let me alone for swearing. Now I will not deliver his letter, for the behaviour of the young gentleman gives him out to be of good capacity and breeding. His employment between his lord and my niece confirms no less, therefore his letter, being so excellently ignorant, will breed no terror in the youth. He will find it comes from a clodpole. But, sir, I will deliver his challenge by word of mouth, to set upon Aguecheek a notable report of valour and drive the gentleman, as I know his youth will aptly receive it, into a most hideous opinion of his rage, skill, fury and impetuosity. This will so frighten them both that they will kill one another by the look like cockatrices. <laughs> Here he comes with your niece. Give them way till he take leave and presently after him. I will meditate the while upon some horrid message for a challenge. I have said too much unto a heart of stone, and laid mine honour too uncherry out. There's something in me that reproves my fault, but such a headstrong, potent fault it is, that it but mocks reproof. With the same haviour that your passion bears goes on my master's grief. Here, wear this jewel for me. This my picture. Refuse it not. It has no tongue to vex you, and I beseech you, come again tomorrow. What shall you ask of me that I'll deny, that honour safe may upon asking give? Nothing but this, your true love for my master. How? With mine honour may I give him that which I have given to you? I will acquit you. Well, come again tomorrow. Fare thee well. A fiend like thee might bear my soul to hell. Gentlemen, God save thee. And you, sir. That defence thou hast, betake thee to it. Of what nature the wrongs are thou hast done him, I know not. But thy interceptor, full of despite, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard end. 
Dismount thy tuck, be yar in thy preparation, for thy assailant is quick, skilful, and deadly. You mistake, sir. I am sure no man hath any quarrel to me. My remembrance is very free and clear from any image of offence done to any man. You'll find it otherwise, I assure you. Therefore, if you hold your life at any price, betake you to your guard. For your opposite hath in him what youth, strength, skill, and wrath can furnish man withal. I pray you, sir, what is he? He is knight, dubbed with unhatched rapier and on carpet consideration. But he's a very devil in private brawl. Souls and bodies hath he divorced three. And his incensement at this moment is so implacable that satisfaction can be none but by pangs of death and sepulchre. Hobnob is his word, give it or take it. I will return again into the house and desire some conduct of the lady. I am no fighter. I beseech you, do me this courteous office as to know of the knight what my offence to him is. Is it something of my negligence? Nothing of my purpose? I will do so. Signor Fabian, stay you by this gentleman till my return. Pray you, sir, do you know of this matter? I know the knight is incensed against you, even to a mortal arbitrament, but nothing of the circumstance more. I beseech you, what manner of man is he? Well, he is indeed, sir, the most skilful, bloody and fatal opposite that you could possibly have found in any part of Illyria. Will you walk towards him? I will make your peace with him, if I can. I shall be much bound to you for it. I am one that had rather go with Sir Priest than Sir Knight. I care not who knows so much of my metal. Why, man, he's a very devil. I have not seen such a farrago. I had a pass with him, rapier, scabbard and all, and he gives me the tuck in with such a mortal motion that it's inevitable. And on answer he pays you as surely as your feet hit the ground they step on. Pox, aunt, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he will not now be pacified. Fabian can scarce hold him yonder. Oh, plague, aunt. And I thought he had been valiant and so cunning in fence, I'd have seen him damned ere I'd have challenged him. Let him let the matter slip, and I'll give him my horse, Grey Capulet. Well, I'll make the motion. Stand here and make a good show on it. Mary, I'll ride your horse as well as I ride you. <laughs> I have his horse to take up the quarrel. I've persuaded him the youth's a devil. He is as horribly conceited of him, and pants and looks pale, as if a bear were at his heels. There's no remedy, sir. He will fight with you, but he protests he will not hurt you. Pray God defend me. A little thing would make me tell him how much I lack of a man. Give ground, if you see him furious. Come, Sir Andrew, there's no remedy. The gentleman will, for his honour's sake, have but one bout with you. Come on, to it. Pray God he keep his oath. I do assure you, tis against my will. Put up your sword. If this young gentleman hath done offence, I take the fault on me. If you offend him, I for him defy you. You, sir? Why, what are you? One, sir, that for his love dares yet do more than you have heard him brag to you he will. Nay, if you be an undertaker, I am for you. Oh, good Sir Toby, hold. Here comes an officer. I'll be with you anon. Pray, sir, put up your sword, if you please. Marry will I, sir. And for that I promised you, I'll be as good as my word. He will bear you easily and reigns well. Here is the man. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. You do mistake me, sir. No, sir, no jot. I know your favour well. 
Though now you have no sea cap on your head, he knows I know him well. I must obey. This comes with seeking you, but there's no remedy. I shall answer it. What will you do now my necessity makes me to ask you for my purse? You stand amazed, but be of comfort. Come, sir, away. I must entreat you of some of that money. What money, sir? For the fair kindness you have showed me here? And part, being prompted by your present trouble, out of my lean and low ability, I'll lend you something. Will you deny me now? It's possible that my deserts to you can lack persuasion. Do not tempt my misery, lest that it make me so unsound a man as to upbraid you with those kindnesses that I have done for you. I know of none, nor know I you by voice or any feature. I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying, vainest, babbling drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. Oh, heavens themselves! Come, sir! I pray you go! Let me speak a little. This youth that you see here, I snatched one half out of the jaws of death, relieved him with such sanctity of love, and to his image, which methought did promise most venerable worth, did I devotion. What's that to me? The time goes by away. But oh, how vile an idol proves this god. Thou hast, Sebastian, done good feature shame. He grows mad. Come, sir, away. Lead me on. He named Sebastian. I, my brother, no, yet living in my glass, even such and so. In favour was my brother, and he went. Still in this fashion, colour, ornament. For him I imitate, oh, if it prove, tempests are kind and salt waves fresh in love. A very dishonest poultry boy, and more a coward than a hare. His dishonesty appears in his leaving his friend here in necessity and denying him. And for his cowardship, ask Fabian. A coward, a most devout coward, religious in it. Sled, I'll after him again and beat him. Do! Cuff him soundly, but never draw thy sword. And I do not. Come, let's see the event. I dare lay any money, twill be nothing yet. Stepping into Shakespeare Twelfth Night is produced by Therese Tulliat and Sarah Lynn Dawson. Directed and cast by Matthew Brenner. Audio engineering by Tim Bond. We would like to thank the Swiss Cultural Institute for their support of our podcast. We'd also like to thank the Swiss Church London and Francesco Sesto for his logistical support during our event.